Hello, this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene, and today we're talking about gaming stores. Yes. So when I was a kid, there was basically two types of game stores. The one I remember is probably not a good one, but here it is. And uh, what's that street we take off to to get to my? This is what happens when you live with an old man. Right there. What's it called? That exit where the Black Bear Diner is. Lauren. Lauren. Yeah. Laurel. Laurel. Laurel and Antivadat. There was a little strip mall there. So there was a little hobby store there. And he had an end. A hobby store. He had like model airplanes and models, this, this and that. Not and men, not dolls trains. and no, no, trains. No, it was just a, a man hobby stuff. Ah. He was an old dude. He was, he was rest in peace, old man. It was a little store and it had the, the shelves and everything. They were really low. And on the end, he had chain mail and some D&D stuff. This is way early. And I remember my brother, for some reason, him and my brother got into it. And my brother hated that dude. So we never went into that hobby shop. And then uh, a few years later, when I was about 14, 13 or 14, I came to San Jose. My sister had moved here. There was a, I mentioned it before, downtown Campbell before it's what it is now, which is now it's a lively spot with all kinds of bars and people there all weekend. It was a, it was a real quiet downtown. It kind of was on its... It still is seen for the most heyday. part. Yes. It had, back then, it was seen as heyday, right? The, you know, the the late '70s, early '80s. It was downtowns had gone away, kind of, and least in Campbell. And so there was it was real quiet, really quaint. And there was this place called the Game Table. Honestly, I can't even remember where it was, but it was one of those little storefronts, you know, in the old downtown. And and it was really uh, not very wide, but really long. And I remember walking in there, and there was a ton. He had a ton of puzzles, was one thing, but he also had a ton of a ton of a uh, Avalon Hill game, ton of them. And then he, in the back, he had like a two large tables where you could play. And uh, I forgot his name. I think his name was Larry. Really super nice guy was the owner. He was always there, tall, thin. I think he might have been. I always think of him talking with an English accent, but maybe that was just in my brain. But he was really, really nice guy. You know, always welcomed us when we walked in there. He said, oh, what are you looking for? Oh, we're just looking around. And he had a very small section of role-playing games because there was not much role-playing games back then. There was like D&D and some other things back in the... Gamma World. Gamma World, probably. No, maybe. Probably. I don't remember. Traveler. Definitely Traveler. Okay. But it was only like, you know, it was literally like a bookshelf, of a four-foot-wide bookshelf with some role-playing games. Everything else was war games. And he had miniatures and stuff. And that's where we started going to Pacificon because he had a, a flyer for it on the window. And he had a bunch of, a stack of flyers on the on the table table or his counter, I would say. So those two different guys. One, the old man, the hobby store, and Selena's guy, he was kind of a grump. And uh, and Larry, I'm sure his name was Larry, who owned the game. What was it? Table. Oh, yeah, the game table in Campbell was super nice. And he was really into war games, right? Every time somebody, every time we walked in there, he was playing a war game with somebody. So obviously, he was one of those owners, game, you know, hobby store owners who liked the hobby, had enough money that he opened a store, and his friends would go and play there with him, right? And so he would play and manage the store because it was not like a ton of people coming in and out, right? So uh, fast forward for years, I go into D and J Hobby, which is a huge was was a huge hobby store. You know, they dealt with dolls, everything. Yes, dolls, trains. Uh, model anything airplanes. you can, anything you needed to do, puzzles, yeah. puzzle, everything, games, and they had a pretty large gaming games. section, yes. right? And they had a ton of RPGs, right? And miniatures, and miniatures, and but the RPGs, and it was like, like they, it was like the old style, right? They're just stacks of piles of RPGs. You know, when I went in there, they had a ton of them, and there was, there was, you know, it was all kinds of stuff. But the guy who was in charge of it was a real jerk. You know, back then, I don't remember who he was there. But when I, we ended up moving to San Jose in the early 90s, there was this guy who was in charge of the role-playing department. I forget what his name was. 
Brett or something. Anyway, like that. he was terrible. Is what I'm gonna go to. He was just really. He was just this obnoxious guy who, unless you were there to talk about Warhammer 40k, he wanted nothing to do with you, and he was just miserable. He was just a, a chore to deal with. I would ask about one time. I you know I had some extra money in my pocket or something. I was running space opera, and I wanted science fiction type figures so i asked him about these figures and he goes he goes oh which ones are they i go well they're in that case he goes well, right you gotta need me to write me down the numbers uh, i'm like okay can i borrow a pencil and paper or something because i didn't come to the store to write down freaking numbers so i write all these numbers down and i come back to him and i must have written down like 10 or 12 numbers of all these different figures and i put you know how many i wanted and he only had three of them three figures of uh, the eight or nine that i wanted of multiples. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. He goes, you know, I don't have the other ones in stock. I go, okay. Can you tell me when you're gonna get them? He goes, I don't know. Like just like that. I'm like, I don't understand. How can you not know? So from Saul's conversation so far, <coughs> we have ascertained that there are some really grumpy old men that used to run the these departments it wasn't even that or old. stores. It was like it was I like was my age. Saying, there were also other places you could buy role playing games in the 80s, okay. which was very very slight. Oh, yeah. There was a I think B. Walden Dalton's. books and Walden. B. Dalton's. They were just little tiny sections. Yes, yes. If, if they had them. If, if they, they had them, them yes. Had and them. it depended on where you were. Yes. And coming from small town California, it really depended on, on where the store was in the 80s. Like usually it was, it was usually in the mall. In the mall. Right. I'm well, sure small towns everywhere are the same. Yes. And, and then there's everything else. And there's a mall and yes. things like that. 80s definitely was mall's time. And what was interesting is that you're right, B. Dalton. I remember walking, and I never really, really liked B. B. Dalton. They had a little role playing section, and that's where I saw Dark Conspiracy. And this is the, you know, this is pretty funny. I would walk into the B. Dalton. We'd go to the mall once, twice a month or whatever, and I would walk into B. Dalton. There was that cover of by, I think it was uh, Elmore who who did the cover, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. But it was a Dark Conspiracy cover, a GDW game. A role-playing game. And I was like, wow, that looks really neat. I would thumb through it and look at it. But it was, you know, it was a $20, $30 book at the time. And I was severely low on funds. I just, I needed, you know, my money for my gas tank. But I ended up buying it. I ended up, you know what? I'm just going to buy it. It looks really cool. And I, that's, you know, that Dark Conspiracy I, campaign I ran for a good two, three years. And it was a lot of fun. But to me, Dalton wasn't a typical game store, right? It was a bookstore. It was a bookstore. Yeah. And they didn't have the grumpy old man standing there, you know, looking at you, looking at, like, what are you looking at those books for? Also... Probably the people working there had no idea what those books were. Yeah, unless, unless just, they were like a yeah. nerd, right? So unless they were the ones that were ordering the yes. books. Yes, and even then, somebody wanted it, so they put it, or they told them that you know people were going to buy this, or people bought it, so they ordered more. Right. So the, usually the hobby store was a hobby or game store back in the old days was probably somebody who was interested in the hobby, right? Yes. And so he was an active member playing, and he, back then it was war games, miniatures usually. Role playing games was kind of an after, afterthought. You know, and this is way before CGI, CGI's, uh, collectible card games, CCGs. So let's fast forward to today. You don't even have to fast forward to today. No. Like a lot of comic shops had the same kind of thing. And then, but then I remember when Magic the Gathering or even it might have been something else. But didn't you buy the first cards for at the same store that you bought baseball cards at in Salinas? Yes. I think it was called, uh, oh, that was TSR's CCG called spell so so they actually had the spellfire they before pokemon and magic the gathering and all that well that was after after magic the gathering 
and before Pokemon. Like before Pokemon. So you actually went because we were in Salinas, and he he bought baseball cards. Yes, he, he would to. still buy baseball cards if he could. But, no, I wouldn't. But he used to go and get the whole year the case, whatever. Well, yeah, and um, that's where he found the the games. Right, the card games. Card games. So I find that interesting. That so these these things were in different stores. Yeah, a little and, bit cross pollination, as you say. It was kind of more interesting, and it's supposed to be. This, well, not when you bought the card game, but before that, there weren't computers. I mean, there were computers, but they weren't home computers. No, no. I mean, and, the, the, if people were, had a lot of money, they would have a computer for their kid. But Yeah, that would be. They weren't as prominent as they are now. There wasn't an internet yet. There was no internet. And <laughs> I'm not sure if there was email and well, there how you would internet. get it to to other people if there was a There was an internet back in, I think it was the 70s, but it was only with uh, colleges and it was like yes it was dos it was dos right <laughs> command lines so cool so a lot of these hobby stores like like Saul said they had out flyers and and bulletin boards and yeah, they would have that's a bulletin how people board. met and played games with each other also there were people put out i don't know they they call them f- fanzines oh or yeah fanzines yeah, or yeah. by mail they were like little tiny magazines right yeah just for for, just for like drag was it drag what's the D one dragon that was an actual magazine i know dragon magazine. but there were even ones but that were, were little were tiny they were typed fanzines. on typewriters yes, and, and mimeographed yes uh, that means copied for those of you who don't know what that means <laughs> i don't know how mimeograph worked differently though for some reason wasn't it because was you had to turn yes, that big old crank I, and I've it, seen them. I've never used them. Okay. And, and we used to have one in my grade school. I get these mimeographs, and it always, it always looked funny. The the print. It wasn't was, quite right because it was on a, on a big giant cylinder. Yeah, and that was. Were, I don't, still don't know how it works. It warped the edges, the edges of the paper. I mean, it didn't warp the edges of the paper. It warped the 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 type on them. Yeah, it was really weird. It was it always came out like purplish kind of looking. Anyway, thanks for going down memory lane with us. But uh, <laughs> so th- those are the kind of places we had back in the days. There were you know comic books comic book stores that sometimes carried some role-playing games because there was a little bit of cross-pollination nerdism going on there and that's what you had you know? right and, and then you had the hobby store with and D&J hobby was kind of more morphed once once um board games started being more popular euro yes. board games not monopoly but also i guess monopoly is fine i don't like the game but okay yeah so those hobby stores grew bigger in those sections for people that were in the 90s and 2000s when people started playing those kind of games and role playing kind of had a resurgence i don't ever think it had a non-surgence but there were more games put out and stuff right as soon as uh dnd came out there was always these dnd you know clones you might call them or people who thought that D&D didn't quite get it right so those I mean Tunnels and Trolls, Arjun Grimoire you know, the list goes on. Swords and Chivalry is another one. There's always been a ton of role playing games produced. So how have game stores changed? Yeah things have changed dramatically game stores have kind of evolved a little bit. Uh, they've they, totally evolved. Well I think they've had to because the grumpy old hobbyist dude is with, dead. With the, no, well, <laughs> no. He, yeah, he is dead. <laughs> that that yeah, particular one is probably dead. Yeah, had to, he had to be. passed away, yeah. He, he, was, he was in his 50s or 60s. Oh. That was 40 years ago. So he could still be alive. Highly doubt. He's probably a little older than that. Unless he's hit. Grumpy people do tend to live longer, yeah, I think. Uh, what was going to say? So I remember just the stores that we have around here. Yeah. Before Game Castle. Yes. There was, uh, well, Ooh. Legends. Legends oh, when yeah. Mel broke it into the, because he had comics and he had games. And then he broke it into two stores because he had enough games to make a whole store. and Right, right. And so then when the Magic 
magic became a big thing pokemon became a big thing gaming stores started having tournaments and stuff there i mean they had always had like you said the the guy in downtown campbell had a couple tables where he played miniatures with his right, friends right right and it, it, he went out of business way before uh, well yeah he was probably well, maybe not maybe he lasted into the 90s anyway but he, he, he didn't have a space for a tournament of Pokemon Magic. Magic. So those card games kind of yeah they changed the way, changed the way that the store was because <coughs> you wanted people to come and buy the cards and one of the big big selling points of that was if you had a tournament then you could give away the new packs or the the company would give away the new packs right or they give you like they call a it prize starter or support, set or right? yeah different and, but you would have to pay an entry fee for the for the tournament like either 10 15 i don't know 20 or bucks, five dollars back then and, yeah. and depending on what kind of tournament you have but the problem is that you need space for these tournaments and, and some of these tournaments uh is you know around here they, they get hundreds of people so you need somewhere to sit all these people well we live in an area with lots of people so that's not surprising but the game stores have evolved to be in bigger locations like either a warehouse or a, a really big space that they could find and you know rents are expensive so they have to do all kinds of things to yeah i think what what the current stores except for mel who's had to move twice because of rent and stuff uh, but he 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 only had to move because the mall closed down yes yeah and another mall, mall which is really nice for him and and yeah. his store because that way he gets all the traffic that he that he needs well it's weird is that I, I always thought that he that the store wouldn't do well in the mall but he says he went from a mall to a to a to a strip mall like you know like a uh outdoor. and that didn't work and and he didn't he lost you know 50 percent of his business i think he said and then when he went back into a mall it jumped right back up so just that foot traffic of people walking by i guess if you're at like a storefront like like next to a target that's not inside a mall or something you specifically usually have to go to that you have to know that it's there there and you have to specifically go there with the intent of going there right right where if if it's in a mall you could go to a mall to go you know most people just go to look right right and then people just go to the mall just to you know wander around and so especially young people even today i guess so he gets that foot traffic and that and People just, oh, there's a magic store in here. And bada bing, bada boom. We sell a couple packs here, a couple packs there. And his statistic, at least for Legends, I don't know if I should say this, but but they say, they say like, you know, most of their money comes from Magic the Gathering. I think all gaming stores say that. Right. Not not necessarily just Magic the Gathering. No, no, no. But see, uh, card games. Card games yeah. that, that's their main income. Some stores report up to 80% comes from Magic the Gathering. So, so RPGs and board games and other stuff is only like 20% where, but because it's so easy to make money with Magic cards because it's super crazy, you know, f- you know what is it? It's, the fans love that game and, and they're always coming up with new cards and you know, it's that, oh, I want to keep up with the with the cards, right? You want to you want to have those good decks that, that give you those excellent combos that make you win, right? Because you competitive. build your own deck, right? And you do it, yeah. That's a big deal. But what hasn't changed sometimes is the people who run the games, stores, right? That grumpy old man, God rest his soul, right? And then there was that guy who had DJ Hobby who sucked. Right, he was a real jackass. And then, uh, you know, we went to Seattle. We went to Seattle to visit the, my niece and my nephew. And we went to a game store up there, and it was gorgeous. It was, you know, uh, it was called Mox, Moxie or Mox, and Mox. And it was super cool. It had a cafe. It had different areas, and the people in there were super nice. As soon as you walk in, oh, welcome to Mox. If you have any questions, blah 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 blah, you know. And if they see you wandering around a little bit, they'd come by and go, "Oh, is there anything we can help you with?" And you know, and so they were attentive, you know, and they were talking to each other. They they had a couple guys or a a woman and a man working the counter, and they would talk to each other and 
chat, you know, and chat. And but they would not ignore the the customer, right? If they saw people walk in, they'd greet the customer. You know, good customer service ideals, ideas, and and you know, good marketing strategy, right? Make people feel welcome. Uh, ask, you know, ask them if they need help, and most likely. That's a better way. That's a better way to get money out of your pocket, right? Out of your wallet. If they're, if people are friendly and they're helpful, and maybe, maybe you walk into a game store, you don't know what you're looking for. You know, like, oh yeah, one of my friends has this game called Wizard something or other, and they're like, oh, and then they can help you find stuff if you don't know what you're looking for, or if you go, well, I really like this game. Oh, then you probably like this game as much like it or whatever. That store also had a, a bar in it. Yeah, it had a bar and a cafe. Yes. And they had it upstairs with all kinds of rooms that you could play in. Right. For extra money, they also had tables where you can play, like, like general area. But they also had private rooms that you could rent. It was huge, though. It was so huge. it was a, a warehouse type store. Yeah, it was in a warehouse district, and that and that's that's the thing is that that game stores at one point, at least here in the Bay Area, they moved into this to that kind of area because they needed a space and probably rents were cheaper. Yeah, right than a mall or a, a storefront, and especially here in the Bay Area, it's extremely expensive for any kind of space and retail spaces more so. So I think warehouse space or, you know, what, what do they call it, mixed use space instead yeah. of just uh, what do they call it, uh, retail retail space. So it's not only, but it's not only card games and board games and role playing game areas. There's miniatures. There's right, and then there's of course Warhammer. 40 40k yes well, yeah which is a big seller because people Huge. like not only the the books but the miniatures and everything about the it miniatures, right yeah supposedly they you spend know, a lot of money on it i don't know much about miniatures I, honestly and then so but they talk about the the detail the quality of the war warhammer miniatures and when I, he says he doesn't know much about miniatures he's not actually telling the complete truth he knows a lot about miniatures but not how not how other people view them yes yeah you know, i mean i think some miniatures look really neat but you know these people are super critical about the miniatures they're, they're painting right and they, they want stuff with super detail I, me i don't want super detail because that super detail shows that i'm a terrible painter so there you go that that's a good thing is that we, people who people who own stores usually realize that customers are the main thing right well not only that but they're now gaming stores have you know they put they i don't know if they sell bulletin boards but they they yeah. do have websites and people meet up at their at their stores to right. play also board games besides magic the gathering or pokemon which yes. is a big thing still oh yeah they have times that you can set up to play board games or role-playing games they have the um adventure league and pathfinder society usually will connect with the local game stores and if they have place to play and have a saturday or whatever a day that yeah they they play play. yeah they have whole events there and game castle has their little refrigerator with gamer food you know like you know stuff to keep you awake monster drinks and coke and all that kind of stuff and then they have snack so that's a big they yeah they they make money on people coming to the store but people also have a place to go to to play right right? which is a big thing when you don't play or you don't know people to play with right or uh, let's say you know we live in a barrier and a lot of people you know fortunately have you know rent rooms you know they don't have they don't rent whole apartments or their apartments are really small and you can't fit five people or six people at a game at a game table around it so you meet at this central location possibly and they have chairs they have tables and you know game castle does not charge to rent if you want a private room where you know there's probably less noise they 
charge you for that and you know everybody can chip in and do that or you can play at an open gaming at open table and play games and they don't bother you we played i went with my friend bay and me and augustine played a, a couple games there at game castle mountain view and you know they came by and they asked us if they, we needed anything and like no and we bought some snacks and i think uh you know bay with my bought, son you always have to buy snacks yes, and, but bay bought like a dice or something to you know to thank them for letting us play there because it does cost money to rent that space right and and, and us going there and playing for free and not what is patronizing them is it's probably uh, probably not a good thing but you don't they don't ask you to but you patronize them anyway whether you're there playing or not so So then i go into a uh, game store in where is it portland no across this across the vancouver vancouver washington i don't know if i'm not gonna name the place because i I don't want to get anyway so i walk in there and i'm i'm going there to the tent i'm buying a, a, a set of cards for ticket to write because my aunt and uncle our aunt and uncle have tickets to write, but they have the little cards, right? And I want to get them the big cards. And, of course, they, they also have the expanded the 1910 uh, expansion, which gives them more uh, routes routes and stuff. Because they play that game quite a bit and already know all the routes, more or less. But but anyway, with the little cards. So I walk in, and there's this guy sort of behind the counter, and he's talking to three other guys about Warhammer 40K. I walk in. I go right past him. He doesn't say anything. I'm looking around. I'm there for like 15 20 minutes looking 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 i see that they have tickets to ride but they don't have the 1910 expansion they have the europe cards but i'm like eh, i'm not gonna give them the europe cards because whatever so then when i finally decide well i was gonna ask him you know hey do you have the 1910 expansion whatever but he seems engrossed in this conversation about 40k and they're going on about 40k and so i just i decided to leave as i'm leaving he goes oh did you need anything and i'm like oh no not now so I walk out the door. And that's a prime example of a terrible game store, right? At least this guy. Now, this guy looked old enough that he was probably the owner, you know, because it was late on the, you know, late in the evening. And, he, you know, usually game store, people who work at game stores are younger because, you know, they can't usually afford to pay you a lot at game stores. You know, a little bit more than minimum wage probably. But, you know, he was older. You know, he was as old as me, maybe a little bit younger. I don't know. He was in his 40s, maybe. And I'm thinking, you know, as a owner, operator of a store, you don't even greet the, a person that you've never seen before coming to your store. And then after a, a person's walk around your store for 10 minutes, you don't go up to them and say, hey, is there anything you can find, maybe? No, you're so engrossed in your own conversation about 40K that you don't bother to help somebody who could put 10, 20 bucks in your pocket. And now the complaining will end and you will move on. Um, and I'm just saying is that is that in this day and era of super uh, tight margins and super, you know, you know, small businesses have a tough time making it that you're not used employing good sales practices. I find it very difficult. I work in the retail business, so I know I know good retail and I know bad retail. You don't roll your eyes at me. I've been doing it for t- twenty five. Rolling my eyes because you won't years. you won't move on. No, I'm just saying. And so and so even today, that grumpy old hobby store dude is still around. You know, he still pops up in places where we date. You know, there's obviously the internet is here, right? Anyway, so they, so they obviously have information and they have access to what makes you a successful game store owner okay and one of the first things they tell you is engage the customer okay why do you seem exasperated because you're going on and on and you won't stop anyway there's one other thing i think you should talk about about game stores okay flea markets oh. <laughs> okay well, what about flea markets that they have them where you can go and get rid of your old games and find new things if you want them <laughs> 
So Jolene likes this because she hopefully one day she see, thinks that I'm going to go and sell my, my, my games. Not all of them, just the ones that you never play. And I know none of the books are going anywhere, so I'm not worried about that. Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting thing about about game stores. At least here in the in the Bay Area, is that they do hold sales days like that, where they have a flea market, or they and they themselves will have a day where like they clear out a bunch of old stuff that they have along with the flea market. So uh, it's a great way of of getting people to come to your to your store. People, you know, really appreciate the fact that you're putting this this on for them because how else are they going to get rid of their stuff? Now you can go to eBay and stuff like that, but you know, then you have to worry about shipping and it's kind of a hassle. Well, not only that, but you get to see the games and most of them, you know, gamers are pretty careful with their stuff. Oh, Except that, for yes. some of our friends that shall remain <laughs> nameless. So usually everything's in good condition and you can usually get it for a good price unless they really don't want to let go of it. Yes. Then they're not going to give you a good price on it yeah yes there's those people too but that's pretty neat you're right so there's all kinds of good things that good game stores can do for the hobby you know there's a they represent the hobby well they have a nice variety of games they're friendly and they give you a place to play and they put on these kind of events that that you can't find they also have miniatures and paints yeah miniatures and paint and i think the the good thing about game stores now is that they are a place where people can gather and meet and whether you're like I go we go to game game castle and they'll have like a, a, a group that just goes there and paints a bunch of them get together and they'll trade you know uh, what is it the techniques and ideas and and just you know they're and most of the time they're just talking to each other while they're painting so it's pretty cool it's a social uh, area for for people to go and share their their hobby I agree so we really like game stores these days so hopefully Wherever you live, you can go to your own game store in your town or wherever it is. Right. And if you don't have one, I'm sure the next town has one. Hopefully. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine certain places not having hobby stores because population is too small to support it. Yes, those places usually have a town they, they go to. Game stores, for the most part, have evolved because they've had to. Otherwise, they're out of business, I think. And there's certainly there's a huge casualty of out of business game stores out there. I can't believe how down you are on this. People, game stores are really good. They have evolved. No, I too, do. I, too. I, I love the game stores that we have around here. You're right. They're great game stores. Mox, great game store. Uh, Guardian Games in Portland, Oregon, great game store. I love that place. There you go. The place in the. So find a game store, go buy a game. The place in the. Go buy a game. Washington. This is Gaming Not Perspectives so with. <laughs> Saul. Angeline. You have a good day.